passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. Joining me later today to preview the Falcons-Bears matchup in Week 11 is Joey Christopoulos of Believe in Bears. Um, It's going to be a great conversation about two teams, you know, seemingly headed in opposite directions, but not really. The Bears have also lost uh, their last two games, but they have looked much, much better doing it than the Falcons have in their last two losses. Certainly Justin Fields playing as well as he has the last few weeks really adds a little bit more intrigue to this matchup. The Falcons obviously had an opportunity to take Justin Fields in the draft. They took Kyle Pitts. That's neither here nor there, really. Like that shouldn't be the focus of of this matchup, but it is an interesting little wrinkle and storyline. And Joey and I dive into all of that great stuff um, later on. And and he really is somebody who I've done uh, Believe NFL Live with on Sundays after um, the early games to really kind of give a preview of that week's NFL action. Uh, so he is great. He is great at this. Um, he is awesome on the mic. And so I, of course, wanted to hit him up to be the person to break down this Bears matchup um, because who better, frankly. So really excited for you all to get his thoughts on this game. Before we get to Joey, I'm going to just kind of share, you know, four or five minutes on Atlanta's quarterback situation, Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter. My goal with this podcast is not so much to just tell you what I think the team should do. The team does not care what I think they should do. My goal, maybe the mission statement of of what I've always tried to do, um, whether it be writing, whether it be any on-camera work or this podcast, certainly, is just to try to help inform you all what I think the team's thought process is. And fortunately, Arthur Smith seems pretty intent on just kind of telling us what his thought process is. So we're going to get into the quarterback situation here in Atlanta, which Arthur Smith would tell you what quarterback situation. Uh, we're going to start with that. Then we're getting going to get into uh, my conversation with Joey to preview Falcons, Bears, Justin Fields, Atlanta's offense, Chicago's porous defense, uh, all of that great stuff. And we're going to get into all of that right after this. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for hoops betting and all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, 
team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether we're talking NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's that easy. Just make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I think the best place to start with everything going on quarterback-wise is to go right back to the very beginning of this year. And Arthur Smith, you know, when he said, hey, our goal for the 2022 season is to compete. And at four and six, yeah, it's kind of about where I thought the Falcons would be coming out of 10 weeks. I just thought that they would have won kind of their last two games or two of the last three, as opposed to heading into week nine at four and four and then losing two games. And that is why we all feel a little bit down on Atlanta right now. Certainly the two losses, one of which was a just a gut punch against LA because you felt like that was a game that you should have won. It made me super angry. And then to turn right around only a handful of days later and see them lay an absolute egg in the rain on the road against a pissed off Carolina Panthers team. It all really stings and it does not help that Marcus Marietta played two of his worst games, uh, I think, uh, against in their last two games. But let's not forget, he had been playing pretty well before that. And yes, that does not excuse the way that he has played. But the Falcons and Arthur Smith are looking at this in the totality of the season. And again, we knew what Marcus Mariota was. I have been under no illusions of what Marcus Mariota is as a player. And a lot of times he's going to hurt you. Sometimes he's going to help you. The Falcons are just trying to find and devise ways to put him in a position to help them more often than he hurts them. Recently, his mistakes, his mental errors, all of that stuff has been pretty egregious uh, to the point where me personally, I'm cool if they kind of turn it over to Desmond Ritter. Like me personally, Let's let's go ahead and see what he's got, because my personal mantra going into this year was it's all about answers. We got a a lot of questions here in the Atlanta Falcons team. Let's find some answers for the 2023 season and beyond. So I am ready to see for better and worse what Desmond Ritter has. But they're four and six. And as much as it does not feel like they are a playoff team right now, and I would argue they are definitely not a playoff team the way they have played in recent weeks. Mathematically, they're one game behind Tampa Bay with a game still to go against the Buccaneers. They were in a spot to get the ball back and potentially beat Tampa Bay had Grady Jarrett not had an egregious roughing the passer penalty. So from a team standpoint, kind of all your goals are still there right in front of you. So why would you send that message? And and Jeff Schultz wrote about this beautifully, I think, in The Athletic. And, you know, I'm, I'm not copying a lot of what he says. It's just he's in more in line of, of what I think uh, about this situation. And I think he put it very eloquently. So please go read that uh, at The Athletic um, because I, I think it's one of his 
better columns uh, about a topic that everybody is talking about here in Atlanta and, and pretty well informed. But I think that the Falcons still obviously have what they set out to do, which is compete, which is what Arthur Smith said right at the beginning of the year. That's all in front of them. They have some very, very winnable games right here in front of them. Chicago at home this week on the road against Washington, who just knocked off the Eagles, who saw that coming. And they seem a little bit friskier at this point in the year than, than we maybe thought they would. Then you're back at home against Pittsburgh. They've yet to hit their bye week, guys. So some of this could just be they are running out of steam. Now, I expect this little mini buy coming out of Thursday night will do wonders for them. And I do expect them to play one of their best games of the season on Sunday. If they don't, I think that will speak to some more problems that the Falcons have than just the quarterback position. But I do think that will make the quarterback position uh, conversation maybe have some resolution because if, if Marcus Mariota certainly plays poorly one more time, then, you know, it is tough. But my biggest thing with the quarterback position is this. We all want to see Desmond Ritter because we've not yet seen Desmond Ritter. The Falcons are under no misconceptions of what they have in Desmond Ritter because they see him every single day. He is in the building. He is at practice. He's working right alongside Marcus Mariota. Them choosing to go with Marcus Mariota does not mean that they think that Marcus Mariota is going to Canton one day. All it means is that right now they believe that he gives this entirety of a 53-man roster the best chance to win on Sunday. And that is what the Falcons' stated goal has been from day one. Whether that is pre-snap reads, whether that is something that I think he has done exceptionally well this season, which is kind of get out of some very tricky jams and then break big plays with his legs or pick up a first down um, on a third down, which if you've heard Arthur Smith talk this week in the lead up to the Chicago game, he has been very, very complimentary of the Bears and Justin Fields' ability to extend drives with his legs. So that tells you something right there about why he values Marcus Mariota maybe as he does. And it's not to say that Desmond Ritter is not athletic because that's a very common thing for people to push back with and say, look, he can do all the things Desmond Ritter or Marcus Mariota can. But can Desmond Ritter do them on a third and six with 6.15 left in the third quarter when you're down 10 and you kind of need to have this drive? I don't know. I have no idea. Neither do you. The people who probably have the best idea are in the Falcons organization. And they feel right now that maybe not. So yes, while on paper, he does seemingly have the boxes that you would check for this offense. Spoiler alert, Atlanta drafted him for a reason. They're aware. They may just not feel comfortable enough yet with how that is all coming together to feel that he provides them with a better chance to win on Sunday than Marcus Mariota. You may disagree with that. I don't know if I disagree with that, but I may think that that's a little bit of a, of a moot point. And at this point, I don't know if they're making the playoffs, whether they play Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter, which is why I'm a little bit more in the camp of let's just see what Desmond Ritter has. You know, again, this is a year for answers. That's your biggest question right now. Let's get some semblance of an answer. But I'm not the one on the hook for this. And... Nobody has a 
bigger price to pay if this decision goes the wrong way, because I do think that it is certainly fair to expect in year three, when the Falcons have a much better financial situation, for them to take the step forward that they've been teasing us with the last couple of years. But the fact that they've been teasing us the last couple of years with four wins around this point in the year, I think speaks volumes to the coaching staff in place, to the front office in place, because this is more than we should have expected. But now we should expect more. And I think that the Falcons also expect more from the team, from the entirety of this roster. And that is why I think Marcus Mariota is still in place because he gives the entirety and the totality of what they're trying to do the best chance for success at this current moment. And when that is the decision you have to make as opposed to let's just punt this year away and see what we've got in the young guy for the future, the calculus changes. And that is where I think the Falcons are. So like Jeff mentioned at the end of his piece, another bad game. Maybe that math does swing in the different direction. Um, I, you know, if he's willing to say that and write that, I trust that, you know, he may be onto something there. But right now, I get why the Falcons are at least sticking with Marcus Mariota, even if I don't agree with it. And that's what I'm here to try to explain is why are the Falcons making the move that they're making? Believe me or don't, agree with me or don't, agree with the team or don't. I don't care. But that's all I got for you. Let's get into my conversation with Joey Christopoulos, uh, previewing a very, very important all of a sudden matchup with the uh, Chicago Bears, a team that we, before the year started, thought that this was going to be certainly circle as a win for this Atlanta Falcons group. All of a sudden, it feels a little bit like a toss-up uh, in my book. So as much as I expect the Falcons to play well on Sunday, Justin Fields scares the ever-living crap out of me. So let's hear a little bit more about how scared I am in my conversation with Joey. All right, Joey Christopoulos joins me now at Joey Sports Guy on Twitter, host of Believe in Bears with former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten and my partner in crime. I'm gonna. I'm the Robin. I'm the Robin. His Batman. His his Bear Man. Uh, shout out the Office. But uh, on Believe NFL Live, I was just on there this past Sunday. Been on a couple of times. I expect to be on at least one more time to end the end, end the season. But Joey. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on you know a short week. It was a short week for the Falcons. It's a short week for us. Just saw you on Sunday, but how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great, Will. Thank you so much for having me on the pod. For the Batman and Robin metaphor, every single Sunday, Believe NFL Live, a wild week of the NFL happens, and then they throw the signal up. Me and Will go down <laughs> some poles, we hop in the Batmobile, and then we clean up the streets and make sense of all the action that happens in the NFL and the Believe YouTube channel. And yeah, man, we're uh, Bears-Falcons, man. I'm super excited to be here and talk to you. Holy witching hour, Batman. Um, yeah, we're... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to talk to you about this matchup, even though it probably wouldn't be something we would lead off, uh, believe uh, NFL Live with, uh, would be a Bears-Falcons matchup. But it will be fun nonetheless. But knowing just how good you are at all of this, Joey, I'm going to ask you something hard right off the bat. Uh Talk to me about the Bears in 2022, you know, big picture overview. What can you tell us about this team in, in two or three minutes? Uh, well, so let's start with a little bit. I was thinking about this on the drive home, you know, Bears versus Falcons. What does this mean? And, and I can only imagine as an outside observer, and maybe I'll 
add a little detail to it with the Chicago Bears is I feel like the Bears and Falcons are in some sort of psych ward this season uh, <laughs> that they both are suffering from schizophrenia where you don't know which team is going to show up on a weekly basis. They could play well against a great team one moment. They can completely be a dog against another team. Another moment. Oh, a cough, cough. The Bears lose to the Lions 31 to 30. Um, but, you know, from the broad angle, you asked me to pull it back. This season is going fantastic. I've never had so much fun with such a terrible team in my entire life, Will. And I think obviously that starts with, you know, the big headliner right now who's suddenly becoming a huge hot topic on shows like Get Up. It's Justin Fields. And what we've seen over the last four or five games is a player who started the year historically bad um, Mm -hmm. with an offense that had we all knew walking into the season. They had no offensive weapons on the wide receiver position. Their offensive line was bad. How do you get progression out of Justin Fields? Well, they've kind of reconfigured this offense and they've just put the ball into the guy's hands and let him make plays. And turns out he's one of the most unbelievable dynamic young playmakers ascending in the game right now. And over these last five weeks, the Bears have only won one game. But I am incredibly pleased right now. And just maybe to put a bow on it, I talked, you know, I'm lamenting them losing to the Lions. Losing to the Lions on Sunday had just had the Chicago Bears jump up from the number 11 spot in the draft pick in the draft next year all the way up to possibly four, five, six right now. And the wow. Chicago Bears need blue chip players. So we don't know how the season's going to play out moving forward. They play the Bills, they play the Eagles. You know, I think the Falcons got a great chance to beat up on the Bears this weekend, especially defensively. But I think every single week it's going to be really entertaining with this offense. And Justin Fields, he's going 30 points a game right now. Over his last five games, he's averaging 111 rushing yards a game. So if you've got that going for you, you see a little bit more progress from the passing. The future is bright for the Chicago Bears, even though this season is a very dim light bulb. Yeah, and I, I want to stay right there with uh, Justin Fields, who Falcons fans know very well. You know, a Harrison Hoya, uh, he played here in Georgia, was a five-star recruit coming out. Then, of course, attended the University of Georgia, uh, Georgia uh, Hoyas, Georgia. Mm, that's hard to hard to go back to back there. But <laughs> attended the University of Georgia, obviously transferred to Ohio State. But I mean, a dynamic playmaker. And it's crazy to me. The Bears, you know, have been one of the best rushing offenses all season or the number one rushing offense going into this game. But it really feels like they've unlocked or at least unleashed Justin Fields the last couple of weeks have you really seen a marked difference in how they've started using Justin Fields especially as a runner in these games or is it more just he's starting to take off a little bit sooner than he had been previously no I mean I I really think this stems back to the offensive coordinator and Luke Getze and what he's done with this offense if you go back to that Washington Commanders game they lost on Thursday night football uh, 12 to 7 and it was ugly right I mean and to be fair the Bears were in the red zone I believe four times One of them was the interception. The other three, Mm -hmm. uh, they failed on fourth down. And it was an ugly performance. And they had 10 days before their next game against the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. And what they decided to do, Chicago Bears fans uh, could have said that we should have been doing this a long time ago. But what they decided to do was try and just try and make Justin Fields be Justin Fields. And here's what I mean by that. When you're a quarterback and you go back to pass and you have a wide receiver group like the Bears and you have no one to throw to, what ends up happening you, you lean on your athleticism to escape the pocket, scramble, and try and make plays. What they're doing now with Justin Fields, though, are these designed runs, these RPOs, having him make decisions. And what they realize is, oh, 
You're telling me Justin Fields can pick up six yards whenever he wants to on a design run? And this has two <laughs> effects. The first one is with the design run, Will, is he's not getting beat up as much as he was in the beginning of the year because he actually knows where the defenders are going to be in a blocking scheme when you have True. a designed run. When you scramble, you have no idea where it's coming from, right? You're running with your hair on fire. Right. These design runs have actually opened it up and actually have kept him healthy while also running the ball at the same time. Kind of an oxymoron, but it's working. And then on top of that, you mentioned the Chicago Bears offense. I haven't looked at they're damn close to averaging 200 team rushing yards a game. You know, the offensive line has been terrible in pass protection protection, but the run uh, the run offense has been fantastic. That is just feeding all into Dave Montgomery. This is feeding into Khalil Herbert, who just went on the IR today. You guys yeah. were not seeing him this weekend, unfortunately. But it really has opened everything up, and it's allowed Justin Fields to just get confidence. I think Justin Fields, his biggest problem was, which a lot of young players have, is when they go back, and we talk about it a lot on Believe in Bears, he plants that right leg, and he's supposed to deliver the football. And I don't think he trusts what he sees, and he's that .4, .5 seconds late. If you can get him some easy throws or create some design runs to get him some first downs and feel good about himself, now all of a sudden when he plants that right leg, he's kind of ripping it a little bit. And it's all starting to come to him a little bit. He's got a long way to go. He's setting NFL records right now, but let's be honest, I think there's a lot of progress to make. And it's the way we've drawn up the offense. It really has changed, um, and it really has opened up a lot of doors and a lot of eyes for Chicago Bears fans to the, to the ceiling that Justin Fields can have. He has looked sharper, particularly on some of these bootlegs um, where he is starting to, like he said, plant that foot, make that that read, deliver that pass. That's such a huge Kyle Shanahan um, mm -hmm. part of an offense is, all right, the quarterback, you're kind of responsible for that, that upfield rusher on these bootlegs. It's on you. And he certainly has the athleticism uh, to make that play. And you almost wonder if at times early on, he was too athletic and kind of booting out a little too far in in some of those uh, those bootleg passing plays. But talk to me a little bit about the Khalil Herbert absence, because on the one hand, you know, bottom line, dynamic special teams player who, you know, regardless of his usage, he was going to impact the game in that way. But not being there on offense to spell David Montgomery, not being that impact player on special teams. How big of a loss uh, is this for Chicago? Honestly, I think it's a lot bigger than people are going to be making it out to be, to be honest with you, because <laughs> look, David Montgomery, he is what we call the heart and soul of the offense right now. He is the emotional leader in the huddle, but the guy just can't break 20, 25 yard runs off. He just doesn't have that speed. What he will do is he will put his shoulder or, you know what I mean? His helmet right into your belly and he will push you four or five yards down the field and pick up some important first downs. That's great for an offense. What Khalil Herbert does in an offense that is so bereft of talent, talented players on the outside, Khalil Herbert was our only home run hitter. I think he's got at least three or four runs of 40-plus yards this year, and you just kind of see the offense play with a different tempo when he's on the field. They would always go two series with Dave Montgomery, then one with Khalil Herbert. And then Khalil Herbert comes in, and he just adds that different speed, that slickness in between the tackles. And he's a different guy that you have to account for. You know, if for Justin Fields, I'm not sure how much it will affect him because Khalil Herbert is an awful pass protector. So David Montgomery is going to have to be out there a little bit more. But when we bring in a guy like a Tristan Ebner, one of our rookies, there's going to be a steep drop-off there. And I just think it takes a little bit more explosiveness out of a team that is trying to build and mature 
an attitude and a style of explosiveness, something that they didn't have in the first month of the season. So I, I, I think it's going to hurt this team. I really do. I mean, a backup running back, typically you go, okay, you know what I mean? But And I, I'm not yeah. sure how it affects Justin Fields, but especially this Sunday, I, I think it is going to have an effect on the outcome of the game. Let's uh, let's flip over to the defensive side because you know oh, you ooh. mentioned <laughs> right. You mentioned uh, you're a little worried about that. Um, can you explain why? <laughs> um, I can't close my eyes right now. Um, so I, <laughs> I'm going to start hyperbolic, and we're going to kind of move forward from there. I think this is oh, the worst Chicago. Yeah. This is the worst Chicago Bears defense scene I've ever I've ever seen in my Chicago Bears life. Um, and is. I have, and we've, we've known it. We've known, we've known defense our whole life and we've seen a couple of bad ones, but mostly we always hang our hat on tough defense and running the ball. Man, what's this that the, like? Good grief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Michael Turner, leave him alone. Uh, those right, are the it's good not years. the running game. We don't know what a defense is though. <laughs> All right. Those uh, are the good years. Abraham though. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is the worst defense I think I've ever seen in my Chicago Bears life outside of maybe one of the Mark Trestman defenses of 2013. Um, you walked Ooh. into this year and you said yourself, you spent draft capital on your secondary and Jaquan Brisker and Kyle, Go- Kyler Gordon, um, both solid players. Right. But as you know, it all starts up in the trenches. And from the moment that Ryan Poles, first year general manager decided he tried to sign Larry Ogunjobi from the Bengals away. He failed a physical. They did not come back to the table and consummate a deal. The dude's on the Steelers now. But once that happened, Ryan Poles, for whatever reason, decided to punt. And look, I like what Ryan Poles has done, but this is a little bit of a criticism on my part that I bring up on the pod. For a first-year GM, I think there was a whiff of arrogance in terms of how he decided to construct his defensive line. And think about like fantasy football. It's like, you know what? I don't need a quarterback. I'm going to take one in the 10th or 12th round. He literally kind of went bottom shelf shopping on the defensive line and was like, I'm just going to plug and play some guys. And with our system, it's going to work out. Well, this defensive line is absolutely brutal. Um, You know, we don't hit the quarterback. We do pick up a sack or two a game, but not a lot of pressure. Our gap discipline has been awful all season long. You can see us. I'm I'm hoping, I'm thinking the Falcons are going to do this. If you move us left to right and have us guessing, you're going to keep us a step slow and you're going to be able to run it on us all day long. Go back and look at the Giants tape versus the Bears. Um, it's truly yeah. awful. And then on top of that, we traded Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn at midseason. Roquan Smith was uh, by far our best defensive player. Um, and I like the moves for the draft capital that got, we got back. But clearly, you know, we if you thought we could sink any lower, we have. Um, and I just do. I just don't see a team that should not be able to score at least 24 to 30 points on this defense on the regular. And I expect the same from the Falcons this week. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching the last couple of games for the bears, which is something I tried to do going into every matchup, just to get an idea of how a team's playing recently. I kind of came away knowing uh, the least about the defense because Mm -hmm. of the the nature of the way the dolphins play, the nature of the way that the lions play, right? Like they're very different from how Atlanta um, plays the game and they rely a lot on the skill that they have on the perimeter or in DeAndre Swift's case, kind of like the ability to get that perimeter really quickly, um, more than the Falcons will. And Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, like they can occupy space really well, but they are mostly going to be really effective kind of tackle to tackle. And 
I looked at the space that the Dolphins and the Lions were able to create, and I wondered, can the Falcons recreate this? But you're saying that maybe that's going to be the case if the Falcons are able to use pre-snap motion, some of these jet sweeps, like bootlegs, things like that. Are they going to be able to kind of manipulate space? Is that what you're worried about in this game? Yeah, our eye discipline is is awful. And I think if you create an eye discipline issue with our defense early in the game, I think that creates gap discipline. And then you can come back inside between the tackles and really hammer us. I just know for a fact that if you watch the Chicago Bears defense through every single game this year, running backs get past the line of scrimmage untouched into the second level consistently over and over again. And then we're asking ourselves the question of, can our secondary, our young secondary brisker, can our young quarterback Kyler Gordon have the fundamentals of tackling and make it happen? It shouldn't come down to that, right? You know what I mean? It should it should be able to <laughs> right. stuff it up the middle. And and look, I think that it's going to be a recipe for success for the Falcons this weekend. Um, you know, in terms of the passing, you know, we are moderate. You know what I mean? I, I don't think, you know, you'll see the Tyreek Hill. Of course, he's burning everybody in the league this season. In terms of our in the secondary, we're going to give up a couple of big plays, but it isn't abjectly awful. It just really starts with that running game, and then it just bleeds from there. We're not causing turnovers. We don't execute on third down. Last week, it was a penalty issue. I mean, you name it, we do it. We are terrible. Falcons fans, if you're listening to this right now, um, I, you know I think it should be a very successful day uh, for the Falcons offense. And, you know, again, with Justin Fields, he's scoring points right now, but we're not playing with a lot of leads right now. We're averaging 30 points a game. And I guarantee you, if you look it up, the amount of time that we've actually had a lead in the game the last four weeks, it's been minimal. So we just give it right back. And, um, you know, there's a there's an opportunity where maybe it's a get right game for the Falcons, but maybe kind of a fool's gold game. Right. Because I just think the Bears defense is it's just bad, man. I you know, I want to I want to fluff up my team. And I want to come on here and be a homer. I'm a homer for Justin Fields, but the defense is, is truly uh, is truly terrible. I hear you. But, <laughs> but, see, but, here's, here's, but who here's plays quarterback thing. for you this weekend? Who plays quarterback right. for you? Here's, yeah. I mean, yeah, like so so here's our thing. And we're gonna get to the quarterbacks in in one second because I do that's kind of what I want to end on because the who better than to uh, maybe explain the trials and tribulations of, of rookie quarterback play more than a Bears fan. So we'll, we're, we'll get to that in one second. But I don't know if the Falcons have looked like they're able to put their on a defense that doesn't bring a lot to the table over the last couple of weeks. And they ran for over 200 yards against the Chargers and they scored 17 points and they lost 20 to 17. And that yeah. was the worst ranked defense on a per play basis in the NFL in a game where they get Cordero Patterson back. So I think that what they showed against Carolina, they did not run the ball effectively. And then you saw how everything just kind of falls apart. It's like the the bottom part of a house of cards gets pulled out and just nothing is able to hold anything up. Like that is what I worry about with this Falcons. And it had less to do with Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter or injuries on the offensive line. It's just kind of, I don't know if this team kind of has that overall ability to really like put a team away and they have not shown it yet this season, every game. And, and we use this often in defense of this team as a reason to point why they're better than, than we expected, but every game has been close, you know, and then yeah. that 49ers game we thought was going to be a turning point because it ended up being a, a little bit of a bigger 
victory than certainly we expected against a, a San Francisco squad. But now it looks a little bit more of like an outlier. And so I just expect maybe this game to be a, a 31-30 type of game again. And yeah. recently I have my doubts about the Falcons to pull out a game like this. But the Bears have not been able to either. So now talk to me about, about your kind of trepidations on on why maybe down the stretch they wouldn't be able to get it done. And, and I know I texted you a little bit about the uh, the – non-interception that should have ended the Lions game there uh, for you guys. But, but yeah, just uh, before we get to the quarterbacks here at the end, what what's up with the Bears playing so well and not winning? Uh, the Dolphins game is a little bit of a different scenario, but they've been in these games recently. Why can't they pull them out? To quote my beautiful broccoli and lean chicken head coach, Matt Eberflus, doesn't taste good going down, but damn it, he's good for you. Um, it comes down to execution, right? And I think this is what we're seeing. And 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 you've, I'm sure you guys have witnessed this before. And you see it from a mile away with an NFL football team. Is there's two things at play. The first one is to the Bears' credit, um, you know, the coaching staff in the training camp really um, harped on and prioritized conditioning. And in my opinion, the Chicago Bears are actually a really well conditioned team, and they're one of the youngest football teams uh, in the NFL right now. So you're going to see them for all four quarters. Right, they're not going to lull. You're not going to see guys with hands on their hips in the fourth quarter gassed or anything like that. They're going to keep playing. They're going to keep coming. But on the flip side of that, they are such a young team. They cannot play four quarters of football. And I'm not even saying that in a cliched sense. It's just something, a bad stretch will happen at one point or the other. And when it comes down to it, they're unable to seal the deal. Um, I, you know, we're, we're, we're giddy. We're over the moon for Justin Fields right now through over the last five games. But you know what? His fourth quarter numbers, they're not that great right now. They really aren't. And in these situations where, again, even when we're scoring 30 points a game, we're down in the fourth quarter every time. And it gets to that point where Justin Fields, honestly, you know what happens. You have to just start throwing the ball, right? You have to start getting chunk plays at 13, mm -hmm. 14, 15 at a time. And we're just unable to do it. And the numbers reflect that and kind of bear it out a little bit. And the guy has come up short. So, the schizophrenic Chicago Bears, I'm not sure who's going to show up this week. I do like our offense, obviously, against your defense. Um, but, again, I'm kind of looking at the schedule all of a sudden, and and I'm I'm one of the bigger homers that you're going to find out for the Chicago Bears. I don't know. I don't know how many more wins I can really pencil in on this schedule. And in the beginning of the season, I, I put this down as a W for the Chicago Bears against the Falcons. Um, and I, I can't do that anymore. I can't, Will. I, I just I just can't, man. I mean, are you in the same boat a little bit where you don't know what team is going to show up every single week? Can you accurately be like, how many more games are these Falcons going to get this year? Has it come to that point in the season? It it definitely has. Um, and, and it's really interesting because when I was talking to the uh, to the guys from the L.A. football network before the Chargers game, they brought up the fact that, you know, the Falcons felt like a little bit of this Jekyll and Hyde team roller coaster team week to week when I don't really feel that that's the case, but you bring that up as well. And I do think that that's been the case more recently, mm -hmm. uh, certainly because the national public is is coming off of watching that Thursday night game when they played arguably their worst game of the season. But and everyone on the planet had the Falcons in their confidence pool. Well, and we're all looking at you right now with just very hard, hard eyes and not fun. It was not fun to watch. 
Well, you also learned your lesson with Kyle Pitts. So chill. All right. If you guys are still trusting uh, this team, then that's on you, uh, not on me. Uh, but, Good grief. Good grief. But but yeah, so it's it's become a little bit of a this was supposed to, they'd done the hard thing. They'd done the hard stretch of the season. It was supposed to be easy from here on out. And that is where I think and and this is my beautiful segue into the Desmond Ritter conversation. That is where you're seeing fans start to pull their hair out a little bit this season when going into the year the expectations were lower. This wasn't supposed to be a situation where people were even put in a position to be pulling their hair out because there shouldn't have been this expectation. But then you kind of got there because the Falcons were playing well and they were winning some games and now things are falling apart and people want to point to the easiest thing, which is quarterback and Marcus Mariota playing poorly the last couple of weeks doesn't help things, but you guys Draft the Justin Fields. Uh, a lot of Falcons fans wanted to draft Justin Fields. Yeah. What were those growing pains like and were they worth it? And, you know, would you appreciate somebody like a Marcus Mariota having been a bridge guy for somebody like Justin Fields? Or do you think he's learned from taking his lumps? Oh, baby, baby. We had both sides of the menu last year. We had bridge guy Andy <laughs> Dalton with uh, Justin Fields. That's right. On, on, okay. on the, at the same time, man, we had we had both sides of the menu, my friend. Um, last year last year was really tough. Uh, Matt Nagy did not put uh, the team in a position to succeed. It was very strange, too, as well, where you had a general manager and a head coach coaching for their job, but drafting the quarterback of the future, and then putting the quarterback of their future in and doing him a disservice so that you can win a game, you know, you can win a game in week four, week five, and you were literally trying to preach the principles of the check down city manual. That is Matt Nagy's offense when clearly your quarterback wasn't supposed to do that. So most of the off season, honestly, for the bears, it was a mystery, man. We really, we really didn't know a couple of flashes here and there. He had a good uh, game against the Lions, good game against the 49ers. Obviously, we all saw the Steelers game on um, on national TV last year, but it was a mystery, man. And and there still is this one part that I talk about this all the time, and I think, you know, this is something that that Matt Ryan and and all the great quarterbacks and all the quarterbacks that have staying power have to figure out, and it either happens or it doesn't. But it's that point where the quarterback is able to manipulate an offense and is able to see the field and move through his second progression and understand the difference between second level and first level reads are um, in an offense. And has Justin Fields mastered that? No. Is Justin Fields above average at it right now? I'd probably also say no. I'd still probably say he's pretty average. But look, I think that that is one of those weird – it's one of those weird bridges that every quarterback must cross. And it's almost like you either do – or you don't, right? I feel like Baker Mayfield had success but couldn't cross that bridge. To be very fair, Mitch Trubisky in 2018 had a good season, could not cross that bridge. You see that consistently with quarterbacks that just can't take it to that next level. So mm-hmm. Justin Fields has the athleticism, right, to cover up a lot of that. And we're enjoying it right now. And we're actually seeing progress and success, which is great for his confidence. And you want to see results. But moving into next year, I think there's a whole new litmus test for Justin Fields next year about can he actually become that elite quarterback by taking that to the next level, by taking it to the next place. And I want to throw it back to you. You mentioned that a lot of Falcons fans wanted Justin Fields. 
And look, man, I'm curious. I'm not looking for criticism, and I'm certainly not looking to gloat right now because I don't think I don't know if we have the full answer with JF1 yet. But what was the talk at the time uh, uh, coming out of Atlanta regarding Justin Fields? You know, why in the end did they not take him in the draft in 2020? I can't buy this whole they still believed in Matt Ryan. I I, I can't buy it. So what do you think it actually honestly ended up coming down to? And what was the talk out of there? You know, what were the weaknesses? What were the strengths? And, and what were Falcons fans talking about at that time? Yeah, I, I can only speculate as to, you know, the, the reason the team didn't go in that direction. Um, yeah. But I can say I think a lot of the benefits uh, publicly, probably internally, again, local kid from Kennesaw, Georgia, right in the suburbs, like a, a very would be very popular, plays a style to arguably the most popular player, even, lumping, yep. even lumping Matt Ryan into that mix, probably the most popular player in yeah. franchise history in Michael Vick. So you, you have those elements are very appealing from a sell tickets uh, standpoint. And I think that it would have given juice to an organization that was kind of a little bit of a laughing stock near the end of that Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov run. And I don't put that on those two men. I think that they did the best job kind of that they felt that they could, but it was really tough to get over 28 to three in a lot of ways. It still is. Um, yeah. So that was a, a big stink, but I think that the reason they didn't ultimately go in that direction is, is very similar with the reason why they waited until the third round to get Desmond Ritter. Like they're focused on building the best team, not the the f best team quickly, right? Like yeah. they're not trying to expedite something. They don't want the microwave version of your your chicken nuggets, right? Or, or your or your chicken wings, right? They want to preheat the oven. They want to get that thing nice and warm. They want the crispy the crispy bite at the end. They don't want those Luke ass warm chicken nuggets. They want the crunch. They want it to be good. And so that I think is why they didn't pull the trigger on Justin Fields. They went ultimately with Kyle Pitts, Drake London. They're building the best team, not just the best quarterback led team. Well, and I think that's really interesting too, because, you know, look at what's going on with the Chicago bears right now, really quick. And look, we're excited about the future. But mm -hmm. next year will be Justin Fields' third year in the NFL. His rookie clock, that window that you have to capitalize when a rookie quarterback is awesome before you have to pay him buku bucks. And guess what? It's going to be in the 40, 45, 50 million dollar range a year for a quarterback that's worth his salt in this league. Yep. You have to capitalize on those years. So I, I can kind of understand that, right? If you're a Falcons, if you're the Falcons and you're thinking to yourself, Let's build a solid team up and down with some depth and then mm -hmm. find that quarterback and start his five-year clock with everything already built around it. Where if you're the Chicago Bears right now, they're trying to do this rebuild this year. You know, we talk a lot about salary cap and draft capital. Well, guess what, though? They got to get back in the mix quickly because not yeah. only do you have to capitalize on Justin Fields, you have to find out if he's an elite quarterback sooner than later. So it accelerates yeah. this team building right now because you're going to have to make a decision on him. So no, I, th I think that's an interesting perspective. And my final point is uh, when we traded up for Justin Fields, 
I definitely thought the Chicago Bears and Ryan Pace were taking Mac Jones. So I'm happy. <laughs> and not I, I didn't I didn't want that. I just went, yeah. I just went, oh dear God, they're taking Mac Jones. Okay, wrap your head around it. Breathe, Joey. Breathe. It's gonna be okay. And you know what? They they took Justin Fields and I'm happy they did. I just I remember living with a, a huge Chicago Bears fan in twenty um seventeen. I believe. Yeah. 2017 during the draft when they traded up for Mitch Trubisky and all he wanted was Jamal Adams. And he was like, they, they traded up to two. What did they do? What, 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 what are they doing? Why did they do that? Like he just freaked out. And I was sitting there telling him, I was like, dude, Jamal Adams is a stud. Y'all are going to, of course, Eddie Jackson becomes the pick. He's playing really well. So you can't hate on that. Um, yeah. Well, we but, thought, we thought at the time when they traded up to two, we all, me and my Bears fans, uh, we were at a Buffalo Wild Wings because that's what you do in Southern California because the bars out here aren't awesome. So we're at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and we all shook each other's hands and we like very very calmly went, "Okay, it's Deshaun Watson." Okay, yeah, Deshaun Watson. Wow. Congratulations, everyone. That would kind of be bullet bullet dodged, right? But I mean, and look, I like Mahomes, but no one in their right mind was even th- like sniffing Mahomes in the yeah. top five. Even you know when the Chiefs traded up to get him. Uh, well, everyone PFF went, whoa, was, whoa. PFF had them number him number one, but they were the outlier at that time. Right. Like, that's what they hung their hat on a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and we were all like, okay, proven college quarterback, the dude's a winner. Deshaun Watson, this is why you trade yeah. up. And then our mouths dropped to the floor when he took Trubisky. Um, and then we, you know, we start rationalizing and being like, oh, well, that sounds like a great. You know, Polish sandwich and mm-hmm. you know, off a of Damon and whatever in Chicago. North Carolina, and, you know, smart. I, the field. <laughs> I you know, my favorite one was uh my favorite one in my head was uh you know what maybe he's just a really good Tony Romo like player. I always thought he oh, I was Jesus. hoping that his ceiling would have been Tony Romo. Yeah. And even then, you know, that's not that's not that great. You know what I mean? So Yeah, it's great in the, great in the booth. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, will, oh will <laughs> gonna oh man, not not probably hopefully gonna be a lot of that on Sunday. Um, let's, let's, let's end on that note. Let's get your final predictions, Joey, on, uh, on this weekend's game. It sounds like you think there's a potential for a lot of points in this one, uh, given each team's defense, the, the matchups offensively, defensively, is that, is that how you're leaning? Uh, I am at this point right now. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I picked the lions to win last week. I picked the dolphins to win the week before, Mm-hmm. Um, that lot that Lions loss was bad, man. I mean, we were up 24 to 10 and, yep. uh, you know, just to, just to throw some shade and make some people upset, even though I'm so thankful and grateful to be on, uh, your podcast and, and good to see you, man. I, I'm going to say the Chicago bears win 27 to 24. Look, man, this is a coin toss. It really is. Um, I, I easily see 24 points on both sides. So if, if you're going to betonline.ag, uh, do the points over on that one total points over, I, I probably would like that number a whole lot. Uh, but no, I, I think the Chicago Bears offense is in good shape. Um, you know, Justin Fields, even if they kind of try and pin him in rushing wise, he still will have success, in my opinion. So I'm going to go Chicago Bears 27, Atlanta Falcons 24. That can easily, easily be on the other side, too, as well, which should make a for a fun, wild and entertaining game. Right. I definitely think it will be. Uh, yeah. So I think that you're I think you're spot on there. I'm really curious to see. I've been texting some people who have been you know much closer to the team throughout the week and trying to get their idea on what do the Falcons do with Justin Fields. I'm uh, you know I texted somebody what is, who is the fastest player on this defense because I think that they're going to spy Justin Fields with whoever. But yeah. 
a, a thought that maybe they go kind of exotic and maybe a two five four look or a two four five like if you're a nickel and do you blanket him with linebackers? Do you get as many fast guys on the field? Troy Anderson, who they drafted in the second round, linebacker who runs a four four. Um, kind of almost a hybrid safety if, if you want to like a Troy die comparison out of Oregon, like that type of player. I wonder if the Falcons get crazy, but I think it's going to be a lot of points. I'm looking at something like 34, 28 Falcons here. Yeah. You know, I, I think that they'll, they'll have the space. Big Tyler Algier. Look for Avery Williams. I think that he's going to be a difference maker in this game. Uh, can eat up a lot of that space. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be high scoring to your point, but who knows, man. Justin Fields yep. break one of these and really change the game. Yeah, and final one real quick for Falcons fans to keep in mind is, you know, obviously, yeah, keep a linebacker spying on Justin Fields and keep him home, right? Well, we've been playing some games a little bit with Cole Komet, and he's had a nice little run over the last month. Keep is an he eye on good? I like good, is he good, good in what way? I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Cole Komet. I mean, he got yeah. he, he knocked knees, right? So I think it's a right. swelling issue. I don't think it's anything okay. tendon related right now. So obviously we're taping this on a Tuesday. Right? I know he's going to be good. He's been amazing recently. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like good, like an adjacent Witten way, not in the elite uh, <laughs> tight end category, maybe uh, that we've had in, in years past or uh, you know, the Kyle, the Kyle Pitts of the world uh, shot it, shot at your boy there. Uh, the, Damn. the one thing I will say, though, really quick, though, is what the Lions actually did um, in this in the stretch run against the Chicago Bears. Um, and it was actually really interesting. And I'm not saying it's a blueprint, but I'd be interested to see if the Falcons try and do it is that in our pass protect, um, we're still not very good. And what they've actually did is instead of like bringing, you know, everything you got with your ends, like, you know, with a bull rush or anything like that, they actually Blitzing. slowed it down. No, they slowed it down. They slowed down oh, okay. their rush and they almost played as like a, a zone. Yeah, rush, you just had you like they caged him in. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So even it's not about getting to the quarterback. It's about filling up the space and taking away his gaps. And if yep. he can't find anyone down the field, which he's been having a problem doing with our wide receivers, he will start to maneuver out of the pocket. And from there, either we have a holding penalty or you guys are able to spring free and kind of circle him up a little bit. So it sounds antithetical to everything a defensive end's ever been taught, but slowing down the pass rush towards Justin Fields and just creating chaos and space around him, it's a harder it's harder for him to get out of the pocket that way. And it and it worked for the Lions for a little bit, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how uh you know opposing teams may be trying to play that tactic moving forward. I think the key player to watch for that tactic is going to be Grady Jarrett. You know, as much mm. as that is a cliche to just say like Grady Jarrett for any defensive line, he's the smartest player as well as the best player on that defensive line. Seeing how he rushes because he's more than capable of just swim moving and beating a dude in the blink of an eye. But against Justin Fields, in the blink of an eye, he can make you miss. And then there's a vacated lane and he's gone. Yep. So if Grady Jarrett kind of hesitates on his rush a little bit and is more like punching and looking that is where I think you're going to see that that's a big point of concern for Atlanta heading into this game is we're not focused on getting him to the ground we're focused on not letting him pass us and we'll see how that all plays out but Joey this has been fantastic I really feel like I've learned a lot about Chicago going into this game much more than than watching two games on a you know, uh, NFL.com backslash plus no free plugs here, but, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, anything you want to plug before we get out of here, Joey? Uh, just a couple more Chicago facts. Never put ketchup on your hot dog. Uh, if there's a chair, uh, placed in front of a parking spot, 
on the street when it's snowing outside. That spot is taken. That is Chicago law. And uh, Will, man, thank you so much. Dude, great to see you, man. Um, for those that haven't checked out Believe NFL Live, we do it every single Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, come check it out. I love having Will on as my co-host. Um, he does such a fantastic job. I just feel like, I don't know, we have we, we got a rapport that makes me feel comfortable. And when we bring on all the different people from the Believe roster, um, you know, man, I, I, I just really think you're a talented dude. You do really, really great work for the Falcons. And, uh, man, I just can't tell you enough um, how bright I think your future is moving forward. And then also, uh, I don't know, for those that are just interested in, uh, I don't know, hate listening if you're a Falcons fan. But, no, I, I host Believe in Bears with former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten. Um, Corey's a great guy, a really great insight, really has been able to dig into why the Chicago Bears defense has struggled so mightily this year. He really gets into the X and O's. And then finally, I don't know if you want to just follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Um, I am obsessed with Chicago sports, but I do love uh, pop culture. I do love comedy. I do love all sports in general. Uh, so you can follow me on there. And, man, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. You love movies, which I also really appreciate. And we're going to test our uh, the bounds of our chemistry right here when I say that my favorite Chicago pizza place is uh, Pequod's. Oh, yeah. Your Pequod's? Yeah. Pequods, Pequods, baby, Pequods. Pequods there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Bra we got it. Bra Bravo, great call. That's a West Side joint uh, that really yes. started to come. Its claim to fame started about 14 to 15 years ago. So it's not among all the old hats of pizza. Fantastic call, my friend. Our chemistry Ooh. is strong. Batman and Robin riding around. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to take that back. This is more like a Batman Superman thing. I, I You know what? Oh, there, okay. is no yeah, there is no, there is no there Robin. Yeah, there's no Robin in this scenario. Um, uh, great to have you on, man. And, uh, yeah, get Pequods always. <laughs> Pequods forever. All right. Thank you so much, Joey. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, my friend. See ya. Well, that was the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again to Joey Christopoulos for stopping by and really just giving us a download on the Chicago Bears in 2022 and what we can expect to see from Justin Fields and the rest of the crew on Sunday when they take on the Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Apologies for the audio during my conversation with Joey there uh, for the duration of the podcast. You know, I guess uh, a setting got flipped and I didn't flip it back when everything was plugged in. So that's on me. We'll be better. Iron sharpens iron. Um, but I, I think it came through okay. I did my best on the back end. Just wanted to uh, say that, hey, we'll be better next time. But thank you guys so much for sticking with it. Please stay tuned. Ovi will be back to join me to break down all of the action on Sunday. I will be there covering the game in person. So another opportunity for me to kind of talk to players, bring some insight into the state of the Falcons. Who knows? Will Desmond Ritter actually take the field on Sunday? Probably not. But if he does, I will be there in person to see with my eyeballs and relay it to you on this podcast, which if you like the podcast, please let everybody else know where they can find us, which is anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, please. Follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Follow Joey at Joey Sports Guy. Check out all the Believe stuff we got going on. We got Believe NFL Live Sunday afternoons, 7 o'clock. It is hitting our YouTube channel. So please go check that out. Today's podcast, as always, was presented by Bet Online. We will see you bright and early Monday morning, hopefully after a Falcons win. But until then, everybody, take care.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.